Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is all about mental health empowerment. Today on the show, we are going viral faster than the coronavirus and talking all about, sorry about that joke, that's terrible. Uh, Today we're talking about how to use Myers-Briggs personality types and knowing your personality type as a way to assess and use the language of this to express how you feel in therapy and coaching and all of that stuff. So let's hit the button, do the thing on Dopamine. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the show. Cino Tier, aka Mr. Christian Rivera. Thanks for coming back to Dopamine. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming back to the show, checking out all these episodes, listening, learning, experiencing, or at least being a part of the madness. I appreciate you for being here. So thank you very much. I'm your host, Mr. Christian Rivera, and I've been doing this for over 300 episodes, talking about mental health empowerment. And today, as I continue to shift more towards including personality typology in the conversation, because I think it's incredibly important, uh, today I want to talk about being able to use this sort of language because it's a language. A lot of people conflate it with like a belief or a psychology system, which it is a psychology system, but it's, it's really, when you think about it, it's more of a language. Uh, a lot of people, when they start to learn it, you get caught up on, on identifying people's personality types, but the most effective usage of it, I think is a way of understanding yourself, understanding your own behaviors, understanding Uh, maybe what you're missing, understanding what you might be feeling uh, and using this language to express this to someone else who also understands it. Uh, The beauty of this and what I've experienced in live events is being able to have conversations with people and get to know the way their mind works without even having to know what they do for a living. Like you kind of subvert the small talk. So that part's pretty fun. If if that's something for you. Um, but largely you can use this as a way to get down to the nitty gritty and really explain what is going on in your head and really think about, you know, what your life looks like. And again, really the biggest thing is being able to assess what's missing because a lot of the time someone experiences a depression or some sort of form of, uh, difficult feelings because there's something in their mind that they're not quite honoring. One of the things that I've learned through this is when I get to experience people in person, there is there's a correlation between like our cognitive function stack, meaning the things that we are, um, the, the, the aspects of our mind that are part of our preferences that give us an energy boost when we use those things. Even some of the parts that are not like the drivers of our lives, uh, there are still there's still energetic hits that we can get from that. So in an, in, for instance, if we're, you know, if you know you're an introvert and you know you're a thinker, even if you don't know if you're an, an intuitive or a judger or a perceiver or sensor, um, if you know you're an introvert and you know you're a thinker, you will know that at some point that you're going to need the opposite 
of that. You're going to need to get out into the world and you're not going to need to experience something more emotional at some point in your life because these dichotomies are about balance. You know, when I talk about introversion and extroversion, intuition and sensing, thinking and feeling, judging and perceiving, you know, our lives are cyclical in a way that our our minds, our hormones, our way of being and behaving are not it's not singular. It's not that, you know, that's, that's the thing about when people try to learn personality types, they assume that we're putting you in a box when actually it's about understanding the natural rhythms of who you are. So we're, we're all in this sort of cycle. Molly and I were just talking about it this morning about there's this cycle of learning and creating where we get into like a learning style and we need to learn in and take information. And then we need to create and like put the processed version of that out into the world it's like the process of eating food and pooping it out or <laughs> you poop out the things that you don't, your body doesn't absorb. Right. So a lot of times when we're creating things, we're putting out things that are, you know, actually important and need to go out into the world, not poop. But <laughs> you know, that's the general idea is like it's input process output. I talk about this all the time. If you signed up for my email list, uh, which I'll put in the description, or if you go to dopamine.life, there's the email sign up and stuff. You can go do that and you'll be, uh, you'll get a, a multi-part series of emails talking about this input process output sort of thing. And the reason I talk about all of this, even though, you know, sometimes it's hard to follow some of this type talk, you can go to dopamine.life and um, there's a free personal development 101 course that you can sign up for there to kind of understand this. And I'm going to put some of that on the podcast in the future and do some of the, these like uh, reviews of the basics kind of things. Um, but really I want to talk about why it's important and keep talking about it because it is important. I think it's important to understand that, you know, Myers-Briggs is not the only system and it's not the only way to understand yourself, but it is a very useful way of understanding yourself. And it's enough of a language to be able to communicate with other people. There are therapists that use this language. There are coaches that use this language so that if you need to have some sort of cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy in your life, being able to utilize this language can help you get to the core of what you feel you're experiencing or what your therapist can express to you that you're actually experiencing. They could be seeing in you that you're like, okay, you're spending a little bit too much time in your introverted thinking. Maybe you need to go check in with your family and have a casual phone call, check in emotionally, see how everyone's feeling, go get some hugs from people. Maybe not now because of the coronavirus, but you know, <laughs> get some love and affection somewhere, some appreciation. Um, and, you know, or, or saying like your desire to manipulate people, which I've talked about in my confessions of a chronic manipulator podcast, um, is a desire for love that you are not getting from the people around you. So you feel like you have to manipulate it in order to do that. And you're using your introverted thinking to manipulate people into doing that. So, you know, <laughs> those are some of the ways that you can, you can learn about that. If you're an INTJ, for example, and you're future pacing a lot or everything that you're seeing is a little bit disconnected from reality, um, or you're seeing everything as like a conspiracy, that might mean that you need to actually check data and analytics a little bit more and actually get out into the world and, and test your theories against reality and look for empirical data. You know, so that, that's just a minor example. But there are examples of this for like basically every personality type that there can be some very obvious signs of things that behaviorally that we can work on that we may not need to go through serious, intense therapy for 
that uh, we could analyze like which aspects of our lives we're blatantly ignoring because we feel like we only can or should be one way. Again, I'm going to keep with the introverted thinking example. As, as a kid, basically, I spent all of my time indoors playing video games. And even now as an adult, like I definitely still spend a lot of time indoors because I'm doing a lot of work indoors. Um, but I have to make sure that I understand that there are aspects of me that need to be honored in terms of getting into the outside world, experiencing new things, and actually expressing love and having a sense of community with some of the people around me as well. I can't just be an introverted thinker because that has its limits, even though our dominant way of being. So if you're an extroverted feeler, an ENFJ or ESFJ, if you are in that mode all the time and you're not necessarily honoring your individuality, that's going to show up eventually. It's funny how that happens. If you pay attention enough, you'll notice that your mind will like kind of push you to be something else. It's this idea of being something that you're not. And sometimes you have to be this almost schizophrenic side of you. And I don't mean actual schizophrenia. I just mean this other aspect of your personality that needs a little bit of love and needs a check-in. Most of the time, I think a lot of us are aware of what our primary strengths are. We know if we're not, we, we know if we're good at, at data and analytics, or we know that we're good at people, or we know that we're good at adventuring. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are, that know what they're good at, even if, if you kind of deny it. Um, and we know what our weaknesses are. And usually we need to use some of our strengths to nurture some of our weaknesses. So for me, you know, introverted thinking is my dominant function. And that means for me, I, I love language. Language is important. Thinking about how to express something is important. Um, multiple ways that I can put something into words. And, you know, even like math and analytics, like math is a language. And it's a matter of understanding how we interpret that language. And asking the questions and questioning the premise of of that language. What does anything mean? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to actually convey? I think for me, when I integrate that into my weakness, which is extroverted feeling, that's when I can connect more. I can actually have really great connections with my partner because I'm expressing my love for her in a variety of ways using different language that is continuously expressive and kind of evolves and changes and all of that. Cause there are just so many different ways that you can express your, your love and care for someone instead of saying like, I love you more. I love you more, more. I love you more, more, more. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to it. Um, and, and we do that for ourselves as well, that, you know, if we can learn this as a language, not just using my type of thinking, but if you learn about this language for yourself and how you can use this, then you can identify what areas of yourself need love and need attention. So, and, and I think that's the beauty of this is that inherently, while it's easy to look at these four letters and say, this is a box. Like, I don't want to be constrained to this when in actuality, this is freedom. This is permission to be all the aspects of yourself that you've suspected that you could be or are, uh, because society will tend to push us in different directions or parents or whatever tend to try to mold us to what they want us to be. There's always this tension. There's always a push and pull of control in uh, society. That's just human nature. 
And I'm not faulting anyone for that. Like we just love to have some sense of control. We want things to go our way. That's just, that's just humans. We want all the resources. We want all the sexual reproductive opportunities. We want all the shelters. We we want all the things for ourselves. Like we're inherently selfish and greedy. That's just what we are. And that's not a, an excuse to be cynical about that. That just means that in order to nurture that, because it's not about curbing that or trying to push it down, but it's about understanding what our needs are so that we can actually meet those needs. You know, all of these things are understanding a sense of what makes us feel safe. So if we are able to satisfy the needs of our personality, there's a sense of safety that comes with that. If we're able to access the flow state of our personality by being able to identify, you know, when I, you know, if, if I need to get into an extroverted situation and I have the freedom to do that, there's a certain sense of safety and feeling and knowing that like I could do that whenever I want. That's like, that's the freedom that comes with this. Or if I need time to nurture my introverted sensing and really listen to my mind, then I can give it what it needs. And, you know, I can kind of live in this place of, of actually nurturing myself. You know, I mean, if you really want to get deep down and dirty with it, none of us really actually have quote unquote free will. <laughs> We're kind of at the whim of, I mean, you can have a philosophical and, and religious debate about that. But what I'm talking about in this sense is that we all have instincts. We all have impulses. We all have these drives and desires for what we need and want in life. A lot of that is linked to this sense of survival. And understanding our personality and, our, and what our personality is trying to get out of us, whether that's ego fixation, desiring love, or, you know, this sense of freedom so that we can feel like we're secure, which is, it feels like uh, uh, contradictory, but it's actually in tandem. You know, the, it's, it's all about just learning what our natural ebbs and flows are so that we can go with them instead of absolutely always resisting them all the time. One of the commonalities that I've seen in doing all of this work around mental health, having conversations with people, having people on the podcast, having conversations around mental health, around personality typology, is that one of the persistent things that I've noticed is this active resistance against who we are in favor of who we feel like we should be. And that is probably one of the biggest things that leads to this sense of harm, depression, difficulty and and challenges. And that's twofold. That's one pushing against what society expects us to be and therefore, you know, not fully being ourselves. And then the other side of that is not identifying and nurturing the other aspects of our personality because we feel like we're supposed to just be one way or be a certain way. Right. So it's, it can feel contradictory to be someone who is, always extroverted and seeking adventure all the time. If you're an ENP, for example, or even or an EP really of any kind, and you're seeking any kind of adventure in your life and you're in this place where you get so burnt out that all you want to do is sit on the couch and veg and watch law and order. Like that feels contradictory to who you are. And you feel like you're not allowed to do that because that's not what you've presented yourself to be. And that can be really easy for you to deny that aspect of yourself, not only because like your instinctual impulse is to want to keep going and want to stay outside, but there's a part of you that knows that you've got to slow down and you've got to just watch something you've seen before 
or just like zone out completely and just allow yourself the room to let your mind wander and relax and breathe and not take in so much stimulus all the time. There's just this instinctive aspect that I think all of us have. So everybody have had conversations with so far has exhibited this. So I'm only following the pattern. That's all. Um, so the same thing for me with introverted thinking and extroverted feeling when I, I get done, I get to the point where like, I can't read things anymore. Like I just kind of look at a page and I'm just like, ugh. I get this ugh feeling like I can't, I, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I can't think about language. No one try to say anything complicated to me right now. I just need simple conversation. Don't give me details. I just want to like shoot the shit. I just want to like hang out. Somebody give me a drink. Let's just cheers and have a good time and not think too much. Right? Like there's that dichotomy of understanding we need a little bit of that. So if you're mostly a thinker, you need a little bit of the other side of that. If you're mostly a very relaxed person, you need to kind of maybe tune it up a little bit and, and, and turn that in, into a, you know, be a little bit more regimented for a little while. Or if you're super adventurous, then just kind of slow down and relax. Now I'm talking about these in like super vague terms because I know a lot of you don't yet really understand personality types as I'm speaking about it. Um, and if you are someone who is seasoned, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about anyway. So that's why I'm kind of being, being a little vague about all of this, but I think it's still important to talk about. So using all of this stuff in therapy is incredibly valuable to express to your therapist, because if you know this, if you understand this kind of cyclical nature, this dichotomy nature, this, this sort of rubber band pull back to a certain aspect of who you are, then your therapist can suggest ways in which you can nurture that opposite side or nurture, you know, to understand and have this conversation around, um, you know, little elements and suggestions that they can make or you could make around what you can do next based on what you haven't been nurturing. Again, if you're mostly an introvert, you have to spend some time doing stuff in an extroverted way. Depending on your personality type, you're going to do specific extroverted things. The same thing is true the opposite way. If you're an extrovert and you're not you're getting too much stimulus from your type of extroversion, whether that's overworking yourself, um, you know, too much hanging out with people and, or too much like, uh, adventure or whatever there is, there's this aspect of you that needs to slow down and process things and make choices and, and, or just relax, right. Depending on your experience. So being able to, to have this conversation with your coach or with your therapist is incredibly important to be able to say like, you know, I think there's this aspect of me that's missing. Is this, does this connect to something in therapy? Because again, this, this is something that I think is really helpful in understanding uh, what's going on in your mind in terms of like, how, how can we nurture something that's a nurturing of personality versus a nurturing of a protection against mental illness. Uh, I think that's the challenge that I've had as a person is separating my personality from my mental illness. So I have cyclothymia, which is a, a basically bipolar three, uh, like a lower version, um, a milder version of bipolar disorder and uh, ADHD. And I've had challenges as a kid with learning. I've had challenges uh, in my adult life with work and 
relationships, especially when I'm in mania, I get really jerky and I just have no patience for anyone. And that's had, uh, it's had its challenges because I've not been able to express exactly what's going on. It's just easy for someone to assume that that's who you are and therefore make decisions in their life about you for what they want for their life with you. Does that make sense? So if you're able to communicate what's going on, set boundaries and let them know, not use it as an excuse, but to say like, Hey, this is, this is this time where I'm feeling this. So I'm going to create a little bit of distance and just let you know that, um, just let me know if I'm overstepping any boundaries or anything like that. Um, but after I went through my divorce in 2017, I decided to start to understand what's the difference between who I am and what my personality type is, because that really started to help me differentiate like, and, and, and start to develop a sense of self-love and self-care for who I am and begin to nurture that and realize how much I've needed deliberate extroverted intuition in my life and deliberate introverted sensing as I've been starting to grow and, uh, kind of go through my past and look for the connections and the important things there. So it's, uh, it's been really a challenge to accept all of that. It's been a challenge to learn all of this and to take it seriously. And I think that's probably the hardest part is that, you know, when someone, when people learn personality types, it's really easy to just sit, take it as like a, another way to stereotype people or to stereotype yourself or to hold yourself down and to say like, well, I'm an INTP. So that just means I'm going to be a jerk forever. And no, that's not possible. There are so many people that, that comment on this podcast or on my YouTube channel. And they're like, you can't possibly be an INTP. You're too cheerful. You say too many nice things. <laughs> You're actually productive. Like uh, that, that's because I'm not self-limiting. And I think part of using this, knowledge is about the avoidance of self-limiting behavior and being able to use this with your therapist or with a coach, or even to become a therapist or coach is incredibly valuable to start to learn how to profile people, to understand and have patience for the ways that people think, the way that people behave and really just kind of look at someone and say like, what's going on in there? Are you all right? Like, tell me what's going on. What are you missing? It's kind of like looking at a child and they're kind of upset and they're freaking out. And when you think about it for a second, you stop and say like, Oh, they're probably hungry. And that's why they're really upset. So let me get them some food or you can choose to yell at them and be a jerk about it. <laughs> uh, usually people are, you know, frustrated at someone like that or like a child because they can't read the child. And we're frustrated at other, other human beings because we can't read the other human being. But this language gives a way for us to read the other human being a little bit, especially close family and friends, and then ourselves to be able to say, like, what is the common denominator? What is the thing that I'm usually doing? Or what is the thing that this person is usually doing? And what are they not doing in this moment? What is making them upset? What is making them groggy? What is making them stressed out? And how can they get back into a better space? You know, if Molly is upset and she's going through a lot of stuff, I know that oftentimes some of the best ways to get her out of it is eventually to get her out of the house and get back into some exploration. Um, if she is kind of spending too much time inside because she's not an introvert. She's an extrovert. So the opposite is true. Like I've said that if I'm doing too much extroversion, 
I will start to get groggy and I need time to myself. If she's doing too much introversion, the opposite is true for her. She needs to go explore. She needs to go just like drive and figure out what is exciting and go do the next thing, right? That's, that's her thing as an ENFP. So I need to, I listen to her all the time and I encourage that in her. If I see that happening, if she's spending a little bit too much time uh, sort of indulging in emotions or indulging in too much of the emotional process, you know, she needs like a few hours, maybe a day at most. And then after a little while, it's like a cycle that you sort of transition in and out of. Uh, so for me, it's like introversion for two and a half to three days, maybe at most. And then, you know, one day of extroversion. And that doesn't mean literally that cycle, but sort of flexing and flowing in and out of that. So that, you know, getting out once a day is good for me as an introvert. I don't need to do it all day, but an hour or two is good. Molly and I did that this morning. We went out for a little while. We stopped at the lake and it's a beautiful day. And we just like skipped rocks and hung out and took photos and it was cute and adorable and fun. And it was really good for me because I woke up this morning and I haven't really done a lot of work in the past two weeks because I wasn't feeling great. And I was like in the car and I was kind of grumpy and ready to go home and do some work. But we found a nice spot and we got to play around and that was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, but now I'm ready to get to work, which is why I'm recording this podcast. Uh, so that self-assessment for me is important. And, you know, Molly's been able to use some of the language in, in her therapy. And when we have conversations around this and we're helping each other and giving each other advice, we're using this language all the time. So I think that's why it's incredibly important. So ultimately that's what this ultimately, that's what this episode is about is like really why this is so important to help you. Uh, you don't have to, Absolutely not. A lot of people use Enneagram to assess traumas. Uh, some people just kind of learn some of the basic languages. But I think um, I think one of the challenges that we all experience as people is intellectualizing our emotions, meaning that instead of feeling a heaviness in our chest, which equals a shift that we need to make in our behavior, that we just say, I'm sad. I'm always sad. I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm always upset and I'm just frustrated. And, uh, and you're just like explaining, you're just using adjectives. You know, you're explaining how you feel. You're not expressing how you feel. And I think personality types is a great way to begin expressing how you feel, you know, like I'm really, I'm feeling a heaviness in my chest. I feel like you're not really listening to me. I'm kind of in my extroverted feeling space and I just want some validation a little bit for how I'm feeling. And I need to talk about this a little bit and express what's going on for me because I can't focus. I can't think. So I just need to express my emotions a little bit and being able to use that is incredibly important and valuable. I know I've said that over and over again. It's very important. It is important. <laughs> um, but there's times when I need to you know, there's times when, when I need to make everything go away and I just need to watch a Jackie Chan movie and that's great too, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and again, like understanding these other capacities for who you are and what you want and, and what resonates with you is about also not overindulging in, in any of them. You know, there are, again, their primary drivers and our secondary uh, aspects of who we are. But then there's other parts that need attention just a little bit every once in a while. You know, it's like exercising. You don't need to exercise six hours a day every single day to be uh, healthy or to be in shape. It can be 
30 minutes a day, three times a week and eat healthy and all of that stuff, right? doesn't need to be all the time, but it needs to be acknowledged every once in a while. And you got to stop other things in order to do that. You can't be on the treadmill on a laptop um, with your, your wife standing next to you, giving her a kiss and a hug while watching Law and & Order and doing all of that at the same time. You have to kind of shift in and out between all of these different things. It's like computer processes. This, uh, this idea of multitasking in general is kind of a myth. And it's the same way with personality. We need to kind of shift in and out between the different aspects of who we are. And it's not necessarily um, doing them all in isolation, but if there are ways that you can sort of shift into a learning space and nurture all of the aspects of your learning styles. For me, I like extroverted intuition and introverted sensing. So I like going to new places and trying new foods. Introverted sensing is about sort of like how your body feels. So it's a, if I try new good, healthy foods that satisfies the novelty and exploration side of me, and then the introverted sensing side of me as well. Um, and then there's other aspects of like having this podcast is sort of a thinker and feeler thing kind of at the same time. So it's a little bit of multi-processing in that way. But then there are other areas in which, you know, you need to kind of separate a little bit and do just the one thing for a little while. That's really what I was trying to get at and express. So what I'm really trying to say at the end of the day is that learning some of this language, learning your personality type is a way to start assessing what your needs are, what might be missing in your life, uh, what aspects of you are you ignoring. And those are some of those things that could be leading to day-to-day depression. That could be you know, part of everyday despair because this show is not just about personality types. This show is not just about mental health, but this is about all of it and how it connects and how it all works together. And if we can understand little bits of, everyday despair and that everyday feeling of what it's like to be, uh, to, to get used to and understand what our body is telling us, what our thoughts are telling us, then we can change our behavior to stop experiencing that depression as much. You know, a lot of the times depression is a deprivation of what we need for ourselves. Sometimes that means for me, if I'm introverted all the time, it's, less likely that I'm going to experience unexpected joy. And if I'm not experiencing unexpected joy, I could get into a depression. And that's the, another conflation about depression is that it's not all about sadness. Depression means just ignoring an aspect of yourself that you need. So that's really what this is at the end of the day. I hope that all makes sense. I hope this all like kind of fits into some sort of a theme. <laughs> I just kind of was figuring it out as I went along, but generally it's like, This is about why, you know, understanding personality is good for understanding how to manage day-to-day life, day-to-day despair, and your day-to-day mental health, and how to use it in, you know, coaching and therapy, and why you can ask your therapist if they know this, or look for a therapist that knows this, as you learn it yourself, and then you can have these conversations to help you start to put language to your feelings, not just vague language, like I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm joyous, but like, you know, I'm in my introverted thinking space and I don't feel like I'm getting enough of that. Or someone's not really listening to my thoughts or not respecting my opinion. 
or, you know, I'm not getting enough room to make the things that I want to make, you know, stuff like that. There's a lot to it, but I think that's basically the idea is that listen to yourself, listen to your reactions to what you're getting and not getting in your life and assess that against personality type. Cause this is just the tool. This is just the language. This is not your feelings. This is not your emotions. This is just a way to express those things. And I think expression is better than explanation at the end of the day. All right, friends. So thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you guys. I kind of stumbled through this one, but hopefully it's, you know, everything you've hoped for and wanted in a personality type podcast episode. Um, if you want more granular details and want me to talk about anything in specifics, you can hit me up at Let's Go See Notes on all the social channels. That'd be amazing. I would love to hear from you. Love to hear what your thoughts are on the show. You can send me an email at dopaminepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or queries. Uh, go to dopamine.life to check out our podcast. And if you want to, you know, more episodes of the podcast. And if you want to get involved in our personality development 101 course, you can go sign up for that at the bottom of the page and click the button, sign up for our email list, and you will get that in your email inbox. Um, basically going one dichotomy at a time. It's pretty thorough. So, um, that's everything that I can think of if you're okay. So last thing is that if you want a personality profiling session with me, a trained profiler that will actually have a conversation with you one-on-one, which is way more uh, accurate than doing an online test because the online test can only help you assess your conscious awareness of your personality. The having an assessment done by a profiler helps you understand the unconscious side of yourself, the things that I notice in you that you may not notice yourself, and then be able to explain that back to you. And it's incredibly valuable. Everyone that I've spoken to has had a sense of relief after they've done a profiling session with me. So if you go sign up at bit.oy slash profiling session, you can go sign up for that and we'll get that done. It's $99 and you know, it's, it's great. It's something that is will change your life, understanding your personality type and be able to help you recalibrate your direction and understand, you know, why you've done some of the things that you've done. I think that's the common, one of the common things that people have, uh, have felt afterwards as well. So bit.ly slash profiling session, go ahead and sign up for that there. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks to our Patreon supporters, Molly Owens and Calvin Eaton, patreon.com slash dopamine. And uh, that's it. I love you guys. Bit.ly slash profiling session. Sign up for one. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about it. So um, that's it. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Keynote Media Production. All right, for my Patreon friends, thanks for still being here. Um, I don't have a specific plan for the post-show aspect of this, but um, it's actually nice. It's nice to do this kind of post-mortem thing. This feels like uh, I can let my hair down. (laughs)
and I could just kind of uh, breathe a little bit. I think um, one of the biggest things that uh, this sort of assessing personality type as language thing has been really uh, the, one of the reasons it's been so helpful for me is that it's allowed me to take it seriously. And I think there are a lot of type enthusiasts who are not taking it seriously as a tool that can actually help people. And I think that's what I want to differentiate myself as in the, in the big picture of like what's going on with all of this. Um, I want to be able to be helpful. And I think, uh, while there's, there's so many social challenges in the world today, I think it's really easy to use this as another reason to, you know, to, to make this another stereotype thing. And I'm being super thoughtful and careful of that because this is an emerging industry. This is something that I think will, I think it could help, uh, move past some of the limits of gender and race that, we are always sort of battling and fighting with when we start to find more ways to assess how we're similar, but very different in our minds. It sort of makes the skin a little less important. I mean, it's still important, but it's, it's a little less, you're a little less assumptive of what someone's experience is. And I think that's why people fear each other. I think we fear each other because we don't, know what's going on under the hood. We don't know someone's intent or how to communicate with some people. Sometimes there are people who get together and they get married and they get, they connect and they get to a, a point where they're like, I don't know you. I don't know how to communicate with you. There are sometimes some very obvious type specific, uh, usage of this language that can be very, it's very obvious to someone who knows type as to why someone might be having communication different difficulties like FPs and FJs being very um, internally focused emotionally versus other people focused. And each one could call the other selfish in different ways and different interpretations of someone's version of like the word selfish or narcissist or something like that. When really it's like, we are the origin point of that. So like my interpretation of emotions doesn't match the other person's interpretations of emotions and understanding that it's not necessarily like because someone was raised that way or because they're broken. It's just like, that's the way that they think that's the way that they are. That's how they operate. And that there's a purpose and validity to the way that they operate and the way that I operate right? There's it's self permission and permission for others and having patience for others. So I think that's why it's so incredibly important to use this as a language in all of our tool sets so that we're not just pointing the finger at everyone and saying like, racist, you're a terrible person. You're horrible. Or like someone calling us something terrible and like feeling bad about ourselves when in actuality there's there's other things going on beyond behind the hood. I'm not trying to downgrade the seriousness of, of gender and race inequalities and stuff like that. But I think at the end of the day, if we're able to get some of this language out there, we can sort of understand how to nurture different personality types. Another way to look at it is like businesses, a lot of businesses and the business entrepreneurial structure of America is catered to and favors judger types. 
just like the idea of even in school, it's all an industrialized system of grades and goals and stickers and like, you know, achievement. And there's an entire other section of humanity perceivers that are not achievement focused. I am not an achievement focused person. I am a process focused person. I like making things when I like to make them because I'm inspired or I'm interested or, or it's something I really enjoy doing. And then I will schedule the output. But like most of the time, if I put myself into a regimen that a drudger would get a lot of benefit out of, it would not help me at all. I can't schedule my life like that. That's too much. And, um, that I wouldn't be able to keep up with that. I'd fall apart and you know, that would be not great. Uh, and, and I think if largely the world understood that there are a lot of people that operate this way, we would teach people differently. It would affect the school system. It would have different ways for people to approach therapy as well. So that's what led to this kind of like therapy discussion that I had on this episode, essentially talking about all of this stuff as a, a, a measurement of, of how to communicate with other human beings. So, I mean, I honestly think that a lot of the, um, a lot of the diagnoses would change. A lot of the symptoms would change if we understood personality types and didn't just say that someone who had energy has ADHD, <laughs> you know, cause you know, that's just not the case. Um, you know, it's like, I think about it all the time in terms of when we're assessing personality, like who gets to define what normal is, aren't there 16 different versions of normal? Aren't there like multiple versions of what normal is? So shouldn't we be assessing the actual personality types of, um, you know, shouldn't we be assessing the, the symptoms of these disorders against the 16 different versions of normal? Does that make sense? So I'm going to put this out as like a free preview, I guess, for all the non-patrons to know what they're missing out on. <laughs> when you sign up for our Patreon page, you get this kind of like 10 minute at the end of the episode sort of ramble. But um, yeah, this this is this is all why I think this is important. This is all why I'm doing this kind of work. This is all why I'm talking about this because I know that there's a lot of people battling for school systems and for equality and for social justices and important things in life. But I always feel like I'm a person that's just trying to like, okay, so what is, the, let's zoom out a little more. What else is the thing? What can we do that would be a little bit bigger and solve a lot of these things? And I think for me, that's doing work around personality types to help people understand what their sense of normal is, but then also teach the system or other people at large, because the system is other people at large, you know, what each set person's sense of normal is so that we can properly diagnose people and not just be throwing pills at people and not just be uh, throwing diagnoses willy-nilly at everyone and uh, allowing people the opportunity to learn about themselves and learn how to calibrate to their sense of normal so that they can you know, keep focused and actually not feel like they're a broken person because they're comparing their sense of normal to someone else's sense of normal. I'm not a judger. I'm not an ESFJ and I can't be an ESFJ. That's like, I can bend to like fake that for like 20 minutes. <laughs> but if I try to keep that up, that's going to put me into a depressive state or irritable or angry. That's like not my purpose in the world. And I think part of 
assessing people's sense of normal is helping people to cultivate their sense of purpose based on their personality, based on their experiences, based on their life and based on what's important to them. And then be able to encourage and create empowerment for people going forward. So I hope you enjoyed that little post amble of this podcast episode. Um, this is a free preview of our Patreon sort of post show post mortem. I give kind of these for our Patreon supporters. So if you go to patreon.com slash dopamine, you can sign up for our, for this, uh, for just a dollar, man, a dollar a month. I would just, your support means everything. I could use your help. I don't, this is the only thing I do. So it's really hard to make a living doing this. So a little bit of help would be amazing. And also you get the t a benefit of having connections to supporters for people who are going to be talking about this to be able to help you with your mental health challenges, figure out where your sense of normal is your North star. I'll give you discounts on like profiling sessions and all of this stuff. So being a supporter has tons of perks in it. Go to patreon.com slash dopamine to go check out what those are. But as little as a dollar a month would be, incredible to be able to get these sort of post-show things. We'll talk about more things again, where I can kind of let my hair down as it were, and uh, be a little bit more candid off camera or off, off microphone, I suppose. Uh, well, I'm still on the microphone, but like off the air basically. And you'll get some more, some more, some more realness from me as a result of that. So um, that's it. I appreciate you guys take care of yourselves and each other and I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya.